What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 393. My favorite kinds of episodes. The, I was going to say, Steve. Yeah, you, uh, you know, you, I'm a sucker. You love a palindromic um, episode number. So good. Uh, yeah, and thank you, John. I'm Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts, and as always, I'm joined by... Right. And I'm locked and cocked and ready to rock. <laughs> I'm John. Yeah. I wanted to thank... Everybody that's been watching the like shorts that I've been putting up of the of the um podcast. I think we got like twenty thousand short views. Nice. That's awesome. But what Richard. what I love is when I watch one of those, because I'll see it in my feed sometimes and it's always mm-hmm. nice to see, oh, you know, yeah. I like to see your efforts, but I also it's fun to see what piece of the show gets picked to sort of promote the yeah. show. That's and, AI doing that, by the way. Well, I was going to say, um, <laughs> hey, I uh, think it's funny that it, um, in fact, if you if it chooses this clip right now, mm-hmm. uh, because we, we we mentioned it by name, yeah, yeah. Um, it's going to put in every little stammer into the subtitles. Yeah, uh, I just think that's very did, funny. Uh, and it made it, me really realize how horrendous my sentence structure is on this show. You know, so it's <laughs> hopefully it'll make me I'll bring bring it into something tighter, more diagrammable. Right, right, right. Dang. But uh yes, here we are. Mm. 393, the palindrome. Yeah. So, what are we what are we covering today, Steve? I feel like you 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 got you are a guy. Yeah, sorry, I'm just stuffing journey. my face over here, guys. Oh, yeah. no, no, it's fine. It's He's carb loading for like, the journey. <laughs> I need I need lots of checks mixed for this episode, guys. Um, mm. No, yeah, last week, John picked um, our required viewing. It's 1997's Event Horizon, so we'll talk about that in a moment. But then also this week, we got some timely releases. Like, John was able to check out Next Go Wins, which is opening, I think, in a limited semi-wide release. Um, and then I was able to see The Killer, Um while I was uh, traveling to Atlanta a couple weeks ago. Oh, cool. Which comes out today. Or if it's you're on Netflix this on right Friday, now. Yeah. Right. Comes out the 10th. Uh, uh, if you're listening on Friday, it's out on Netflix. Um, but talk about that. And then I think Ronald and John, are you going to talk about Monarch a little bit just to kind of mention some stuff? Yeah, I would like okay. to. I would okay. like to let folks know some some what to expect, but I don't think that we have to say too much about it. Maybe once we've all seen a few yeah. episodes, we can talk a little bit more about what the show's doing story wise. But no, I think okay. Monarch is definitely worth a, a little bit of hype. Okay, um, yeah, just the time, just timing wise, it's it's going to be yeah. available. So, um, and then yeah, I think we'll maybe mention a couple other little things at the end that we saw or some of us saw. Um, yeah, I had I had one question. I was kind of dying to ask you guys when I saw this argument pop up on Twitter this last week. And the question was whether um, a, a Killers of the Flower Moon is a flop or not. Um, it's a movie that costs $200 million or something, right? And it has made now worldwide $121 million. Uh, domestic, it's made about $54 million um you know we don't measure martin scorsese's movies by box office or even most movies we don't measure them by their box office but there has been a recent conversation that he's been part of that has made made it so that there's a little bit of like you know there's haters out there uh jumping all over martin scorsese and of course he also sometimes makes a movie that's going to get people talking because of the subject matter or how he handles it or whatever so there's a lot of of chatter but i really wanted to know what you guys think about this idea of you know if is is uh, do those numbers indicate quote unquote like a flop or an underperforming underperforming movie or is the fact that it's a scorsese movie and that whoever invested in it knows it's going to live on in streaming and however that revenue works we don't really know but that like it's going to have this other life that it's worth the money even if it doesn't make like a lot at the box office i just didn't know what you guys think about that that idea could could a martin scorsese movie be a flop um if it doesn't make its money back <clears throat> I mean, to be direct, this is not a flop. I mean, because this is like a new model. So, you know, this is Apple and I think it's I think this is Paramount uh, with Paramount releasing this in a a true wide theatrical release for an undisclosed or unconfirmed window, you know, before it goes to the Apple TV plus streaming service. So, I mean, you know, you could compare this against any of the 200 plus million dollar blockbusters, quote unquote, that Netflix has produced and put in one theater for whatever reasons they do that, you know, for qualifying runs or to make a filmmaker happy. But, you know, those movies are made for the platform, you know, and Apple TV is producing this for ultimately to live in the library on Apple TV plus. So I feel like personally, this is an example of what so many people kind of criticize Netflix 
and uh, I don't know some of the other streamers too, like you know that really kind of don't give a true theatrical release to a movie, especially a movie with stars in it, with a with mm-hmm. a you know a, a, a beloved director. You know, like this is a win to me because they've made back three quarters of the budget of the movie that otherwise would never really be made back in any way that's transparent to people that want to criticize the movie's performance, like, you know, present company included. But I'm just saying, like, I feel like, you know, you can't look at this and say, oh, this is a failure because this is not a typical theatrical movie in terms of how it was produced. You know, there was a there was an end in sight for this. There's already a home for this, you know, and this 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 kind of like hybrid uh, new thing that they're doing. Like they're doing the same thing for Napoleon in a couple of weeks, you know, where they'll have a theatrical, a true wide leap release for this movie. And then eventually will be on Apple TV plus like normally these streamers, you know, they go to these streamers because they basically don't make whatever movie they want. Crazy, crazy ass budgets like, are through the roof. Um, and there's no real accountability for, you know, whether a movie made money or whether it's, I don't know, in some cases, whether it's even good, yeah. but personally, I've seen the conversations that you're talking about, but I look at it and you throw that number to me and you say it's made back three quarters of the production budget before it even hits the service that it was intended for. Right. Whether it's whether it's Scorsese, whether it's an unknown filmmaker that just got a movie into theaters. I mean, that's way ahead of the curve than any other movie that's being produced for streaming that doesn't get a theatrical release. So, I mean, I can't see how that's not a win for Apple to make back that much of its money before it even comes to the platform the platform and, and possibly attracts, like you said, whatever residuals or whatever subscriber income it gets from people that are going to the service to watch this finally that that, that didn't see it in theaters. But um, yeah, I, I can't look at that in any way and say that's a that's a loss or underperformance for me personally. What what what's your read on it, Ronald? Um, I feel like um this is a MySpace argument and we're on TikTok. I feel like it's it's like okay all right all right people people need to catch up there's a there's a catching up that i feel like that um people that are in the media have to do like i feel like some people are there and understand it and some people don't understand it and these these companies are making tons of money and they're missing what's happening and it's it's strange to see it because it feels like these like sweeping sort of assumptions about a movie and it could affect the way that people think about it. I, I cannot tell you how many people I've heard say, oh, that movie was a flop. I'm not going to see it. Where, where they should be saying, maybe it's a good movie and it just isn't getting attention that maybe it, it should be getting. Because that there's so many movies that aren't getting the attention that they, they should be getting. So the argument's weird. Get on TikTok. <laughs> and get the Chinese, give all your information to the Chinese. <laughs> it's time. It's time. It's time. TikTok, it's time. It's time. No, I, I I, guess that was my gut feeling, too. I mean, when I saw that, well, the first time I saw this story, it was it had made like 46 million domestic. Now it's made 54. So that tells you in a few days, you know, it's it's continued to make money. But also, um, I do think what you said, Steve, uh, the fact that if, if, if it was intended as almost like a, a catalog piece for the streaming service that can throw all this money at it. It's almost like giving it this theatrical, this theatrical window that it has this, however vague it is, is like, it's a, it's not like a gift to, to Scorsese as a great director, but it is sort of like a nod to the prestige of the project. And the fact that it, Clearly, at this point, they're if they're keeping it in theaters, obviously it's doing something for them. So yeah, I kind of tend to think that it's a silly metric for a movie like this. But I I bet people would be surprised to see how little a director like him, how, how little his movies have made compared to what we now think of as a successful film. You know, um, yeah. I, I think that uh, you know budget versus return doesn't always. It's not really the way people <clears throat> talk about the careers of people like him or the Coen Brothers. Or I mean, you could name a lot of directors who people yeah. might be surprised to know like their biggest grossing movies were 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 small potatoes compared to what we now think of as like this four quadrant blockbuster um yeah. anyway i just thought it was a it was an interesting debate and i kind of agree ronald it's one of those only online kind of debates you know it's like yeah. if you step away from the computer you would not know uh that anyone was having this this debate about this it's, movie it's, it's well and, and i kind of hit on it i hit on it when my initial response to your question but like you just kind of mentioned it again like in terms of the the real question is the budget of the movie Right. The real question is, you could make this movie for streaming, but filmmakers that can't get the movie made anywhere else, they're going to those platforms because they'll let them make it for anything they want. 
right. he's done it at Netflix and now he's done it at Apple TV Plus. But in this case, at least this platform has made back almost three quarters, if not more, of their budget, where Netflix just ate the whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, and he went right from Netflix to the next platform that would give him that much money. So it's really a question about like, that's kind of absurd that this movie cost you. I haven't seen it, so I can't speak. I'm not going to criticize yeah. that, but I just feel like in a world, yeah. you know, where it's a, a movie cost $200 million where you're saying it made 150 some million already worldwide. And it's, there's conversation about it being a failure. Sure. You're, you're framing it against a budget, but that's the real problem is that they'll go to wherever they let him have whatever budget he wants. And that's, I, you know, probably what he'll do for the next one too. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I don't know. Also, it's, this it's is the kind of movie that might, that might grow, that might like make some more during the holidays. I don't know. It, it is a daunting prospect. A lot of people don't want to sit down and watch a, a, what might seem like a grim film for three and a half hours, but um, I do think it's an engrossing movie. So yeah, I don't know. It's just back to that, that the greater Scorsese dis discussion about like this. It's people have a strange way of framing his career now. Um, yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. box office is probably not the right way to, to judge a guy like Absolutely him. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll, I'm curious how that movie holds out, especially during Oscar season. Now, you know, not to get into this, but just also in case you didn't hear, you're living under a rock. The strike is over. The I know. I was saying we over. have to we have to mention just, it. just right. you know, to mention really quickly. So like now there's probably going to be another push for this. These movies that are in theaters still and that have a real Oscar chance. So you're going to see more of the cast probably get back out there and help drive these movies a little higher. Um, but, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how they kind of pivot. Uh, with the ones that are in theaters now because they do have an opportunity to still promote those movies because there's really not a ton of stuff on the horizon. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Man, Brie Larson <laughs> thought she had the weekend off. She was like, man, it's so nice. I can just kind of chill with yeah. my friends. But now... Disney's on the phone saying, uh, get out there. Like, yeah, literally, li literally, literally tonight, if you're listening to this on Friday, they're gonna she's gonna be on, I think, Fallon with with oh. uh Tom Hiddleston for the Loki finale. They're gonna be on together. Oh wow. I, okay. I just saw an article saying that. I was like, wow, that took no time at all. Dang. Um yeah. All right, cool. Well, let's jump in the required viewing, John. Let's go, let's go out beyond Neptune. Take us. Take us. Let's I, let's um in in uh in today's uh required viewing pick, it's uh Event Horizon from nineteen ninety seven, directed by Paul W. S. Anderson, the the other Paul Anderson. I do I have always found it funny. I think, you know, Paul W. S. Anderson has directed a lot of movies. He's one of those guys who manages to keep it going in a sort of a, a genre space. He's not too far afield from someone like Rennie Harlan or someone like that who has made some interesting things. Maybe maybe not quite as many good movies <laughs> as Rennie Harlan. But still somehow in that vein of like a guy who had a moment or two where people were really serious about giving him a shot at some bigger projects and then has always kind of lurked on the outside, but has kept it going and made movies and I think probably made a little money. I don't know. I haven't really looked at all of that. But I, I mean, he's he's been allowed to persist. And this was, I think, almost like a prestige attempt <laughs> for him in, in 1997 when, when this I love, was... I love that you said he's been allowed to persist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like he's one of those guys that's never... I never don't... Like it, I never go more than a couple of years without hearing his name attached to something, you know. So he's obviously got a pretty solid career. Uh, but yes, I don't mean to suggest that he should be like put away or anything like that. Um, Time to put him down, guys. Him uh, down. But at any rate, I remember when this movie came out, and I was excited about it because it was the kind of sci-fi that I like—the kind of like spooky horror meets sci-fi kind of thing. And the idea of a spaceship being a haunted house was cool to me. And I think I can kind of remember what it was that frustrated me about it when I saw it uh, originally. But I have honestly not watched it i don't think maybe bits and pieces but i, I have not really sat, sat down to watch it as a movie since it came out um in 97 so that's what 26 years yeah so but this is a story i feel like this is a familiar arc um you know for a lot of movies have had this idea there's been a distress signal out in space we're with a crew that's going out to investigate it they find a ship uh it's often a ship that's long thought lost um and then you know hijinks uh, ensue and i think this this movie does a pretty good job of giving you that feeling of how remote they are and how space can be scary. Um, I don't think it's like a deliberately paced movie. I don't think it gets the kind of chills it could get out of its setting necessarily, but I think it does a pretty good job. The set design is pretty impressive. Um, and it basically is just a literally like a, a trip into hell um, out past Neptune for the yeah. crew of the ship. I think the ship that we're following is the Lewis and Clark. Um, and the cast members are, you know, it's got a great cast. Sam Neill, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Um, God, what's his name? Pertwee? I don't know his first name, but the actor who plays Smith in in this he's he's fun to watch he's been in a few different things and then jason isaacs is, I was say is jason in it. Isaacs, yeah. 
um, Julie Richardson. I don't know. It's, uh, you know, it's definitely an artifact of its time. Uh, like uh, a movie we saw a couple weeks ago, Audition. Um, it's got a very jarring last. Did, did you notice the, the the final song that plays over the end credits is like this kind of dance track? It's like a it's like a rave track kind of Um I might drop it in right now just because it's funny to have like at the end of like an unsettling horror kind of, you know, jolt ending. But I don't know. I, I, you know, I think this movie held up for me better than I thought simply because, you know, when I saw it originally, it, it, I, I was kind of disappointed with it. And I, like I said, I think I can pinpoint why, but um, this time I saw it as sort of like, a, a movie from 1997 that, like I said, had some cool set design and some some good cast members, and I think it held its sort of creepy plotline. It's a little incoherent, maybe, in the final act, and you feel like it's it's shortchanged a little bit. But um, as far as atmosphere and uh, just a kind of almost like a fun kind of hellish horror, <laughs> this uh, th- this was an enjoyable watch for me. What did you think, Ronald? And had you seen it before? <clears throat> no, I, I had not seen it before. Um... I'm be a little hard on it. I don't know if I enjoyed this at all. Mm. It was very hard for me. I think part of it was the pacing. I'm, I, pacing is typically an issue for me. You know, we're, we're half an hour into the movie and nothing has happened but exposition. I mean, and that's cool. But, you know, and then when it happened, it was like a haunted house. Like, it was like these, like, images with flashing lights. Oh. Next person. Oh, oh, and then it started getting crazy. I, I, I did not enjoy this movie at all. Um, okay, I, I did enjoy the people though. That's the thing. Like, I, I love Lawrence Fishburne in the leader role. Um, no, no, I don't think I liked it. All right. Did, did you watch it in 4K, by the way? I, I, I didn't know how many Ks you got into your I screen. I did. Okay. I did. I did, man. Didn't help it for you, huh? No. No, I've always really liked this movie. And I mean, I I don't know the last time I saw it Um, it had to be at least 20 years. But I think the main thing that I I, kind of liked it for some of the reasons it sounds like Ronald didn't like it. I kind of like that, um, you know, like I guess a surprisingly low body count, you know, for like the first hour or so when you kind of understand what's happening in the movie. Um, But I think the cast really makes it work. I think, you know, I love Sam Neill and really anything he's in. Obviously, Lawrence Fishburne, we're all fans of his as well. So, you know, they stand out. But I just always remembered, like, uh, you know, I guess how, like, disturbing a lot of the movie felt to me when I yeah. saw it then, you know, when I was whatever, age 16 or 17 when I first saw it. But, I mean, I feel like, you know, that 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 exposure kind of felt the same watching it again. Um, and I, I really do feel like John mentioned it last week when he kind of picked this choice. Like, I feel like, you know, there's a very vocal... Uh, uh minority or 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 section of uh film twitter or whatever that really love this movie for a variety of reasons and i mean honestly i i personally can align with some of them i really like some of the you know how disturbing some of the imagery is i I really like uh like the ship atmosphere you know i just i just basically like when it goes when it goes bad i like how bad it goes and that for the most part there's not like a real entity that's like that's that's like vi- i guess not not visible but like that it's really just like each person like imploding and just turning into like a monster you know based on these outside forces that are happening yeah. and causing them to be like that but i mean i just i i really like those kinds of things where you know there's no intrinsic intrinsic monster or like th- in some tangible monster that they're physically fighting the whole movie that it's more of like you know a passing of you know somebody de- deconstructing in real time and like being the bad person at that moment in the movie um but yeah i don't know it does it, it, it is very 1997 and even yeah. the mention of, of that like dance cut at the end mm-hmm. you know like i just feel like even the editing of it just the way it's shot and it looks i think it actually looks really good for it like does. you know a movie that you know was that was made i don't know budget was i think 50 or 60 million what? man um, the sets look beautiful 
yeah and there's they're, not they're that much shuck out my brain like the there's not of... that much crappy early cgi either there's right, right, there's right. a few moments and i think when you get your extra k's in there ronald isn't it true that the early cgi just stands out more because it looks even less real than the than the right. backgrounds but there's like that yeah. floating water or floating liquid stuff in this that that looked really fake but i thought i feel like it was so otherworldly that it somehow it didn't seem it didn't ruin anything, but right, I agree. Right. Sets, locations. Um, I mean, you know, w w what you're talking about, Ronald, is kind of a disposable nature to this movie or of something you didn't like about it. I think that, and maybe Steve's hinting at this too, there is a, it, it, it is like a B-movie treatment. It's like, it's like The Shining yeah. and Alien and all these slightly classier movies thrown into a blender. And right. it's a Paul W. This is a guy who's coming off of Mortal Kombat. You know, um, oh. and he and he and doing this instead of the X Men, basically. Um, oh. So you know, who knows? Um, uh, but I think that, like when I said last time, it might be the best movie by a bad director. I kind of said it as a joke, but I do think that there are people who view this as like this was his sort of money shot in a strange way. That was not to be too gross about it, but it's kind <laughs> of a gross movie. But like this was his, you know, this was his attempt at um, at at like having. I don't know, just a little bit more going on. And I do think it still is kind of B-movie, Ronald, like the way that it, the dialogue, the, and I think that might be part of the charm of it for me is that it's got these aspirations and this production design with, you know, kind of a, almost like a, like things, especially nowadays that seem very tropey and very kind of cheesy yeah. and expected. But at the time, I really don't think it was quite as expected. And I think this may have been, if not the first, it's one of the earliest uh, explanations of of folding time and, you know, holding up something paper and punching a hole through it to indicate like the idea of folding time to move through space and, you know, to teleport or whatever, different, different uh, dimensions. I th feel like this is a, it's a good hodgepodge of sci-fi concepts that we're, we're still sort of dealing with. And I honestly think that whole idea of oh this they went through a portal to some place but we don't know where uh, that's the mystery of that the ambiguity of that works for me in the sense of it could be hell but hell could like he says in the movie hell could just be a word um we don't you know we don't know um uh, one thing i wanted to mention to you guys about the production design just i just hope i'm not the only one that noticed it did you notice how rickety um uh lawrence fishburne's captain's chair was <laughs> like when he you was know? sitting in it i think it was supposed to be like seeming like he was moving with the ship but it was just hanging from the ceiling and it just had a little bit of a like sitting on someone's porch and like a a wicker <laughs> swing and you're trying to get trying to keep it still you know like it felt like undignified for for a <laughs> ca old captain fishburn to be sitting in that chair um but yeah and one last thing you mentioned sam neill his track record i was just looking at it. it's like this type of material he's got this he's got that movie dead calm he's got he's in an omen movie he's got jurassic park <laughs> he's got in the mouth of madness he's got uh hunt for the wilder people i feel like he's got like just enough touchstones for someone you know he's got like secretly one of those great uh genre movie careers maybe not yeah, what's so that one like that he's really well known for it's like um is it is it possession yeah is he in that yeah 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 i mean that that's that's one of those ones that i feel like has a lot has like a really strong cult following that like had a 4k release recently and like i feel like they even like were before the strike like i think they were i remember seeing him like on like a show or something someone was interviewing him about that movie but even that one is like such a you know such a genre kind of horror movie i think that was was it from 1981 I mean, but even that that early, like it's the same it's the same lane, you know, that he mm -hmm. kind of settles into so nicely. I've never seen that, but I, it's always been on my list. Maybe I'll pick it for a required viewing one day. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's 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 awesome. I love Sam Neill. All right. Um, so I think it means it's your turn next, Ronald. What's okay. the, what's what's our next required viewing? <clears throat> um, so <clears throat> I was trying to think of horror films that uh involved a single place or mostly a single place um and trying to get dig into the foreign bag uh and i don't know if this takes place in one place but every shot i see of it takes place in one place <laughs> and i always see this on a list of horror films that are very slept on it's 2011's the sydney australia's the tunnel I've always heard about this movie, mm. never seen it in my life. Uh, it's on Tubi. It's very readily available, but 2011. 2000... Who's yeah. in this? I feel like this sounds familiar. Um, 
Nobody I know. Okay, okay, okay. I don't know if there's anybody I know. All right, cool. I, yeah, I mean, I feel like I've heard of this, but like I recognize the poster. Yeah, man. But, I, like probably from like lists like you're describing. Yeah, whenever you see a list, it's like <laughs> slept on movies, horror films yeah. you should see. It's always like yeah. the tunnel, like right in the middle of it. Mm. Um, I've never seen it. but That's I'm, a good I'm, place for a tunnel to be. It's yeah, right in the middle right, or something. Right in the middle. Yeah. Um, well, Steve, I think now it would be a good time for us to do a new feature called Fastbender versus Fastbender. <laughs> um, and I think sequentially, maybe it's good to start with the, the Fastbender that you, uh, uh, I was trying to come up with some Fastbender way to say saw something, but I, I can't think of anything. <laughs> so yes, what, 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 uh, what, what did you think of the, I guess we're calling it a Fastbender or I was, but it's a Fincher as well. Fastbender meets Fincher in The Killer, which you had the, the privilege of seeing because mm. you were in Atlanta, which is apparently a lot of people might not realize is like a major like here in, in baltimore and dc we're like in that next market you know yeah, we get yeah. like the next wave we get some movies that don't go everywhere yeah, but yeah. atlanta gets uh, everything I like mean, uh, I, and has forever when i was a kid i was i was, dri- I was driving there to go see like yeah. coen brothers movies and even schindler's list i remember we had like a prestige rollout release and i saw it there um so yeah uh so tell us a little bit about the killer um, so yeah, I mean, this is David Fincher's new film. I guess what, what, I mean, obviously I'm a fan of Fastbender, but really kind of the thing that made me excited was, uh, the you're a fans bender. I'm a fans bender. There you go. Uh, was a screen, ba- screenplay by Andrew Kevin Walker, the guy who wrote seven, um, which is one of my top five, probably three movies of all time. Um, oh. but yeah, I don't know. Like anytime a Fincher movie comes out, I'm just, I'm jazzed. And it's especially one that looks you know, like, uh, the kind of, I don't know especially the kind of Fincher movies that I kind of want to watch, you know, this, this, uh, you know, killer for hire kind of, you know, setup, and the idea of the whole movie resting on like a mistake that starts the movie. Um, and you know, the repercussions in, in that community, uh, of killers and lawyers and Mm. clients and, you know, what happens when that happens, you know, when someone makes a mistake, uh, uh, with a job and, uh, yeah. What, what, who is the answer for that? And, you know, uh, how did, how does said killer respond to that <laughs> himself? But I mean, it's really cool. I, I really, really like this movie a lot. Like the more it sat with me and the more I thought about it, talked to Aaron about it when I got home from that trip. Um, it felt very, it felt as much of it as the kind of Fincher movie that I really like, um, just kind of with the world and kind of how cold it feels, you know, like that's some of the stuff I love about his movies. Um, this is definitely in that lane, and I think Fastbender is incredible in the movie. There's a really fun, like a lot of the movie takes place like there's just narration. Like his character is kind of, it's narration of what he's doing, what he's feeling, what he's thinking, what's happening. And there's very little actual like dialogue that he has in the movie. Um, it's minimal, but I mean it's it's there. It's not like two lines or anything like that. But I think it works really well for the movie to kind of literally start the movie in this guy's head because he's in this moment of complete calm. And, you know, this professional approach to, you know, how he takes this 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 job, this kill, the music he listens to, you know, the 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 fitness watch that he wears to, to lower his heart rate, you know, all these meticulous things that he does. He's that that type A kind of person. Um, and when something goes wrong, it just like kind of spirals and you see somebody losing control of a situation and trying to correct it. Um, but in the process of doing so, just kind of making it all worse in ways. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's a great cast. I mean, it's really, it's a really fast bender is, is it's his movie. I mean, uh, Tilda Swinton is in it. Arliss Howard's in it. Um, what's the guy's, um, Charles Parnell, who I guess most recently people recognize from Top Gun Maverick. Um, they're probably the faces that you'd recognize from this movie. I don't know that the movie has a lot of the signature like filmmaking that you'd probably notice from Fincher. There's an incredible fight sequence in the middle of the movie. It's probably like the the the, the sequence that people talk about uh, from the movie that is really great. It's kind of like that, like you know those 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 like pans across the entire like inside of a house, like the geography that we always talk about, mm-hmm. and then in terms of how they set up, uh, you know, somebody entering someone else's house and like when a fight breaks out. 
you know, you're, you're stepping in and out of rooms and the camera is following them and you're recognizing when you're going back into a room where a table was just busted, you know, oh, and then wow. somebody's using that table as a weapon. But like, there's all these great reference points in that fight. And I forget who the, I don't know who the actor is that's in that fight with him. It's this massive dude. Uh, I don't know if he's like a wrestler or a UFC fighter or something, but um, that sequence is definitely the standout. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. In general, I was really happy that I got to see this in theaters. I don't know this kind of movie that you can't watch at home on Netflix, you know, so it's a definite recommend for me to watch, you know, if you can't make it to a theater to see it, or if it's like I said at the top of this show, like Netflix doesn't put a lot of their movies in a lot of theaters and when they do, it's pretty minimal and it's in some major markets. So, um, if you have Netflix and this sounds interesting to you, um, I don't know that it's like top tier Fincher for me, but you know, I, I didn't love Mank like the more recent movie that he released. Yeah. But this is more back into the form of the kind of movies that he makes that I really like. And I mean, to be blunt, like I really kind of like the mean cold, you know, Fincher movies, you know, that kind of feel like that world that he knows how to create so well. And this is definitely back, uh, back in that space for sure. But yeah, that's uh, out today on Netflix, but that sounds like quite the opposite of the Michael Fassbender that you experienced, John, uh, like a, like a literal 180. So uh, talk to us about Next Goal Wins. I, I will. I just want to add, though, I agree with you about the Fincher thing of like, I love Fincher, but I think the Fincher I love best. They've been covering his career on uh, Blank Check recently. Yeah. And um, just listening, going through his career movie by movie, I've realized it's like I, I sort of admire pretty much all his movies. And you can usually tell there's some greater thing he's trying to do stylistically, whether it's a sequence or a, a kind of way of shooting, something like Panic Room that's like a, a really a meticulously crafted movie. You can see why he was drawn to that material from a visual standpoint. You know, um, I, I, I haven't seen quite what the, the visual hooks are in The Killer, except that it just feels slick. It just has that look and feel of a Fincher movie. And um, I haven't heard anything about like any particular fight sequence yet, but I can't believe I get to watch it. Maybe by the time people are hearing this, I've, I may have already watched it. Um, I can't believe Netflix <laughs> has given it to us. Uh, and as far as Fest, you were saying Fassbender is kind of funny in this. And I do think yeah. it got me on the subject of him being funny because that's what I said to you guys was maybe there's a reason we don't see Fassbender like headlining more comedies after I saw the new uh, Taika Waititi film uh, <clears throat> Next Goal Wins, which is a a comedy adaptation, like an underdog sports comedy adapted from a documentary of the same name about uh, the American Samoan uh, uh, national team, a soccer team, football team, I should say football team that um, was terrible and like had a record loss of 31 to zero and was kind of a disgrace. And so this, um, this Dutch American football coach is kind of sent into career purgatory uh, of of being sent to get them into shape i think they have like a month to get them into shape for a big game and the idea being or big match uh-huh um the, and the idea being that like you know if they could just win one game it would mean a lot like for to, to legitimize this enterprise and in the movie they really sell that idea of like they haven't ever gotten a goal and they've you know that just winning one game and in the in the doc i saw the doc the doc's not great it's kind of mild and sort of sweet but it kind of makes you even more bewildered that this is something that Taika Waititi chose to adapt and then make all these odd changes to it, just odd little random changes to the to the real story. But, you know, we've all seen the underdog sports comedy and you judge it based on like, how well does it get you to that final moment of like, oh, are, are they going to win? Are they not? You know, and, and um, if you know the real story, you might know what happens. But I don't know. It, it was charming. The, the, the supporting cast is charming, particularly um, there's a guy, Oscar Kitely, I believe. Hope I'm getting his name right. Um, who I think has been in a few different things. Does anybody know Oscar Kitely? If you saw his face, you would probably you would probably recognize him. I thought I had it. I had this information pulled up, but I guess I don't. Oh yeah, I don't reckon I don't recognize him. Um, but um, is that his name, Oscar Kitely? Though yeah, 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 yeah. okay. Right. Anyway, and the supporting cast, I mean, it, 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 it's nice. It's charming. It's a lot of, I think, New Zealand and Samoan actors. And so it's not a lot of people whose faces you've seen before. Um, and I really think, I kept picturing, like, who could have done this? Who could have had the comic energy to really hold this movie together? And the names that just came to me right off the top were, I thought, like, Jude Law, um, uh, Sam Rockwell, Daniel Craig. I could see all of them doing something that's the right pitch of this movie. But I mean, the movie makes one really odd choice, which is that they make the character of the coach transphobic 
in a way that he didn't seem to be in real life. There's a non-binary or a, the, like I think the first transgender player to ever play in a World Cup game um, uh, the, named Jaya in the film. And really the film should be Jaya's story, but instead the Jaya's story is couched in the redemption arc for this guy who's re- very transphobic, like weirdly, oddly transphobic Weird. at first. And then when he has his little redemption moment, it's meant to be sweet, but it's like... I don't think that really happened in real life. I, in the documentary, there didn't really seem to be a trace of the of the coach treating Jaya that way. So that made it a, a, just a very strange choice to put it in the film, especially because the way the film handles it is, like I said, treating it like we should be patting Michael Fassbender's character on the back for right, like right. coming yeah. around rather than you know the other way. And if this movie had been centered on Jaya, I think it could have been an entirely different uh, sort of film because the actor who plays... Um, Jaya uh, is not is a one named actor whose name I do I have not seen before, but um, I believe they also are a transgender uh, actor and they are they're great too. So I don't know. It's just it's an odd thing. Like if 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 people are Taika Waititi, I mean I've I've been in the I've been in you know on his side and you know I even loved uh, aspects not the whole movie but I liked aspects a lot of Love and Thunder. But I think if you were to critique that movie, you would say the script could be sharper. Sure. And the direction could be less indifferent. Um, and you could say the same thing about this, but the one thing you can't say about Thor Love and Thunder that you can say about this is, oh, it could also have a central performer who's like bringing it over the top, like s- gelling all that comic gel together, you know, and I just don't think, I don't know if that's a sentence, but like it, it's, you know, he, Michael Fassbender doesn't seem like he's quite the guy for the job. It's not like he's bad and he has some good moments in the movie. It's just... His character is the weirdest is the weirdest part of of this movie. Um, so, and also I will say this: if if you are a person who uh, who's like, oh, is Taika Waititi like too pleased with himself? You know, uh, <laughs> is he not trying hard enough? The movie literally opens with him like in like sketch comedy uh, mustache and like fake teeth doing a really broad character who kind of narrates the movie but really doesn't need to doesn't really exist in the movie at all doesn't need to be there and it's like literally the first thing you see is him like mugging and kind of half-assing it it seems in this character and it to me feels like it's such a troll (laughs) of the people that are getting tired of him because it's like if you were to say the problem with him is he doesn't try hard enough and he's he's too loosey-goosey and the movie starts that way I almost admire it but I have to admit it made me kind of roll my eyes it's like it didn't really feel like the right way to start this story Mm. um but it's you know it's enjoyable enough and i could see people enjoying it because it's so mild and because you know what it's going for it's trying to hit that sweet spot of the like i said the underdog sports comedy um you just kind of wish it focused more on the team um and more on the, the the characters we haven't seen before um rather than than the the white dude who who like has to work out his issues Mm. Right. Uh, and, and do you know, John? Is that is that like a limited release, or do you recall? I really don't know. It, I it think it's a wide. I really don't know. I think it might be limited now, and then it's coming to. I think the seventeenth. It might be going into something like wide release. But let me see. Um, yeah, it just says the seventeenth. I don't know if maybe it's a wide. Okay, I was just curious. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Def- it'll definitely be out on the seventeenth at the, yeah. at the least. Um. Yeah. So also, go ahead and tell, talk to about Monarch for a little bit, guys. Just like, yeah, first two episodes. Ronald, how many did you watch? Uh, the two. I guess the two that are coming out. I don't right. want to watch much anymore, but not not because I didn't like it, just because I was I would have watched the whole thing. Honestly, <laughs> um, we're talking about a Apple TV exclusive movie that's in the world of the Monarch Monster Universe, which is. King or Kong. series series yeah yeah all oh, series yeah but but it's in the world of the it king feels kong. like a movie <laughs> yeah the, in the king kong universe um very cinematic beautiful show and it touches on a lot of the events from kong skull island kong skull why am i saying kong kong skull island in fact showing kang. some of the kang <laughs> In fact, showing the uh, younger versions of some of the characters, like, uh, oh, cool. uh, which is really cool. So, um, I guess, John, what'd you think about it? What'd you think about the show and how it felt? 
Well, I think I think this whole batch of Kong and Godzilla movies we've gotten in recent years are quietly like a really fun franchise. Even though I don't love the Godzilla movie, um, mm-hmm. I enjoy all the other ones. Uh, and um, you know, I think that this, like, I the first scene takes place. Um, it's got John Goodman's character from Kong Skull Island in it, um, and. Uh, what happens in it just blew me away with how good it looked and how I was watching it on television. And I was just like, my thought was how do, it's not like the show looks perfect, but how do Marvel and star Wars have such a hard time getting cinematic imagery Mm. on my television. And then this show managed to do it at least up to the par of the movie. Like it feels like the movies that it's taken from. And there's a lot of flourishes that feel very cinematic. I do think the story kind of slows down a little bit when it hits and gets into certain personal character storylines, but that's like the risk you take with a sequential show like this. It's building its cast. I got to where I was really excited when it would cut away from somebody because I was ready to cut away, but then every now and then I'm ready to cut back. So it's like yeah. there's a good rhythm. Um, I you know we don't know yet where it's going, but it's dashing through time. It's it's going back in time. The brilliant thing they did, uh, you know, the, the 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 genius stroke of this show could be seen as hiring. Um, Wyatt uh, Russell to play young Kurt Russell. That's just so beautiful. And it's like, whatever happens, like, we'll always have that. You know, there'll never be that. Why didn't they do something like this? Uh, It's just such a perfect match uh, for the material. And Kurt Russell, in those first two episodes, we just get a little bit of him, but... It's he's his tone. I mean, do, do, would you not agree, Ronald? He nails the tone of this thing. Like he, he does. He kind of makes it. He kind of takes it up a notch, makes it feel a little more adventurous and heightened. Because yeah. up to that moment, we've been having these sort of more grounded characters. But the effects are good. The 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 each episode of the two has given you at least one moment of like, holy shit, that's like like legit yeah. there's a moment towards the end of the second episode right when i was thinking we weren't going to get like a monster scene and we get like a hell of a great monster scene and yeah. i don't know they're just well shot well orchestrated i hope they keep up this this uh quality level i don't think the dialogue is the best the mm. actors are making it work though yeah. um and the world is fun um so yeah I'm, I'm i'm on board for for monarch at this point it really feels like I, when the trailer came out, Steve, you said this might be the most cinematic of all the I mean, of all the yeah, streaming shows like based on <laughs> franchises. And I don't know again if they're going to manage to stick it out, but I do think that um, so far it's like it's that Apple TV Plus thing of you can tell they really tried uh, to make yeah. this thing pop. So, um, and you know, and it feels like a world with like a mythos that's actually they're kind of making it more interesting. Like it's deepening a little bit. It's not quite like yeah. Lost or something where you're just like tantalized by like the answer to the next mystery but i would say that each of these episodes ends in a way that makes you ready to you said you could watch them all ronald and i kind of felt like i could at least have watched the third one and i know at the end of it i might have been wanting to watch the fourth one so um yeah people should should not should not miss monarch but i also would recommend maybe what do you think at least watch kong skull island before you see this yeah like it kind of it kind of picks directly up from it in a strange way you will not know any of what they're at, they're referencing if you haven't seen that movie and you don't know that like Anders is a young John Goodman you know it's like that those choices that they make are pretty cool but you have to have seen that movie at least the other ones you don't necessarily have to see but yeah that one in particular really hits on Ron constantly. what's what's the name of the actress that plays um the the mom of uh oh man do you, do you have a, do you have the information in front of you i wish i could no, say her name I mean, she's great she's great yeah there's there's a a character there's a character that has a i say spotty past and his his family is broken up in a lot of ways sometimes across the world sort of and he has a family that's in Japan, and when you see just the, the the version of this fragmented family and the acting that this actress does is just out of this world. Well, I'm actually it's, talking about the the woman in the flashbacks, but yes, she's she's fantastic oh, oh, too. Oh yeah, I'm loving the like side lady. <laughs> I mean, well, not the side lady, <laughs> the the lady that doesn't know she's the side lady. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, the, the one from the flashbacks is incredible. Too. Everybody's this is the thing. Everybody's good. Um, and there's a chemistry that every, it, it was like they hired based on these chemistry reads. It must have been right because I, 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 every time it, it relies pretty heavily on kind of one on one dialogue. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and and it, it seems to work every every scene that I'm seeing. 
but when they pair these people together, depending on who it is, it, it's just um really. Did really you say cool. that And Anders is playing a young John Goodman? Yes. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a cool choice. And when you yeah. see it, it makes more mm. sense. Like he's he's kind of like he has an amount of silly that John Goodman would have had as a sure. as a younger guy. So like sure. he, yeah, he pulls that. it off. <laughs> well, I like I, I like when they do vibe casting like that. That's not like it's not really look-alike casting, yeah, but it's like you vibe. could see Anders kind of like filling out and growing a beard. I don't know. You, you could see it kind of working yeah. tonally. I think the actress that I was looking for is uh, Mari Yamamoto, who plays Keiko. Oh, um, okay. The younger... Yeah, 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 like back in the flashback. She's just great. And there, there's a moment where she's being attacked by those critters, and mm -hmm. she's like screaming out in pain and in fear, and it really rattled me. I mean, it really was like she got more real with that moment than I expected right, right, right. the show to get as far as like, damn, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It um I, I hope they manage to maintain this tone where it feels like crazy stuff can happen even yeah. though we're still dealing with monsters that are giant and so it's not like they can sneak up on people. But um it's got just the right elements of like Jurassic Park uh you know mixed with mixed with something a little bit darker and a little bit more sinister um you know. So Yeah. Check it out please. It's it's a really really cool show. Nice. Um, I think the only other one I wanted to mention real quick before we wrap, I know Ronald, I think you saw, I don't know if John watched it or not, but the Persian version, we, we got, we oh, got a link man. to a screener last week that we just couldn't see it in time for last week's episode. But this is a, a film that's actually in release now. Um, I think is it a, is it a Sony pictures classic. I think it was film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we watched it just after like the deadline for our recording and we didn't get to mention it, but I wanted to at least bring it up this week. Um, if it's playing near you, um, just wanted to recommend you go see this movie. This is a, a movie about uh, an Iranian, Iranian American uh, woman who kind of basically is at a point in her life where she starts to learn more about herself and learn more about her family, specifically about her mother and the struggles that like they went through to kind of bring this family to America and the balance of going back and forth between the two countries uh, through their youth and, you know, in teenage years. Um, she's kind of got her own things going on in her life that she's trying to navigate relationships, work, things like that. But um, something happens with the family that kind of brings up this family secret that kind of propels her to better understand her mother, who she's always had, you know, a, a, a bit of a unbalanced relationship with. But it's just like a really great, you know, like family drama that's also very funny. It also has an awesome soundtrack. Um, really well acted. Again, this is a movie I had no awareness of until we were offered a screener for it uh, the day that we were recording last week's podcast. Um, and I really, I really hope that you know it finds. I don't know what the plans are for streaming after its theatrical run, but this this is a very. It feels like a very main. It could be a very mainstream kind of a you know a hit. You know, if it found an audience, maybe on a streaming service or something. I don't know, but. Um, it's a smaller film, and I, I the actress who uh, plays the lead, uh, Layla Mohammadi, she was I think in the Secret Lives of College Girls. Yeah, show. that's a great show. That, that that's kind of where I recognized her. But yeah. I I love her. She was great in this. Yeah. Um, and she's great in that series too. Also, but um, this this movie is a definite recommend. Again, it's a small film. Like right now, the theater near me, I think it's only playing like twice a day. Mm. Um. I don't know how long it will have a run, but put it on your, you know, IMDb watch list or letterbox list. Um, if it comes onto a streaming service anytime soon, I, I, I wanted to recommend it for sure. And and I think you, you felt the same, right? Ronald, what did you yeah, think? I loved it. Um, Aaron and I felt like it was so good that it could be like a pilot for a, a like a premium channel TV show. Like it, it, right, it right. has like the, this depth to it that, it feels a little more lived in than a lot of movies that, that I've seen. Like it, they, it literally is two huge stories told separately that almost feel like two separate movies that are so cohesive and well done that it, you know it, it feels like they they're, they're walking a tightrope that I don't think a lot of people could do. Um, um, it feels so personal and emotional, and I think that everybody can find a place in it, but especially. Um, immigrants. I mean, it is, this is an immigrant story. It is a New York immigrant story. It is a rise to power. It is a rise to power in in, in one's femininity and um, and uh, character. And it is powerful. I cried like crazy towards the end just because it was so 
I don't know, man. It hit me. It hit me in the feels. Um, and all the performances are just incredible. Everybody's gorgeous in it. That's another yeah. thing. Like it, yeah. it is kind of hard to process everybody. Yeah. Just because everybody's so beautiful. Um, but the, it's angering. The, yeah, it's angering. Uh yeah. and the, the acting is so good. Like it, it yeah. Persian yeah, and, and the comment about like a mainstream kind of hit. I mean, this is a movie that won the audience award at Sundance. So, I mean, this is definitely like a movie that is very entertaining. It's very funny. Like you said, there's a lot of emotional beats that really hit, you know, <laughs> familial things that really hit that mm. everybody can relate to. Um, Aaron loved it, too. Aaron yeah, I mean, this this, this was like a this this might possibly make my top 10. I yeah. really, really enjoyed yeah uh even the romance you know it's very slight in the movie it's it's kind of it's kind of <laughs> off the cuff and funny yeah uh, and silly but it, it it fits so well into this large family that we meet and it just seems like it's right at home um but yeah i just wanted to really recommend again i don't know what the life of this film is after theaters if there's a plan for the i mean a, a streaming service i don't know where sony pictures classic kind of you know funnel their uh releases to streaming services but um, it'll be there, I'm sure, in the next month or so. So try to find mm. it if you can't see it in theaters. Uh, this was this was a great movie. It's then again, it's called the Persian version. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I think I'm 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 all I'm all out. I, I yeah. I'm excited you, to check out Monarch, and I don't know. You know, I was looking for that online, mm. and I accidentally watched a movie called The Purging Virgin. <laughs> no. <laughs> not the same movie. No, not the same movie. Oh, dang. <laughs> not beautiful. <clears throat> That's nuts. <laughs> there were nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet there were. Uh, Moviesmovie.com is the website. You can hit that up and kind of choose a podcast platform that you prefer to subscribe if you're not already subscribed. Uh, you can also follow us on YouTube at youtube.com slash moviesmoviepodcast if you prefer the video element of this podcast. Um, but we got new episodes coming out every week. Um, and we'll be back next week with, again, Ronald's choice for required viewing is The Tunnel, available the tunnel. on, you said, Tubi, right? Yep. So yep. check that out with us and come back next week and you know listen along as we talk about it. Um, we'll see you guys next week. And as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.